I think the business often looks at L&D and goes, well, what, what can they really do to achieve impact? Whereas we're like, hello, we can do a whole bunch. Just let us. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Block, the building, learning, and organizational culture podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Kirby, and on today's episode, I chat with my new friend, Josh Cardoz, about how the business perceives L&D and what we can do to improve that relationship and even shift it so that we can meet both learners' goals and the business objectives. Hey, Josh, how's it going? It is going great, Heidi. How are you? Good. I'm good. Let's jump right in. Why don't you tell me a little bit about you, what you're doing today, and anything fun you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a digital learning strategist, uh, freelancing, helping organizations go digital the right way. Uh, I help people fine tune their digital strategy and just help them create amazing things. Um, Previously, I was head of digital learning experience at a large professional services firm. Prior to that, I was the principal learning strategist at sort of a creative digital learning agency. And so from leading LXD teams to supporting the C-suite to digital advisory, kind of seen a bit of it all in the corporate L&D world. Um, I also teach at the University of Toronto in our learning experience design certificate program. And something fun, uh, check out Digital Learning Done Right. It's a, it's a love letter to our L&D community. And we can maybe talk about it a little bit more later. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So is it, what do you consider? Is it a YouTube series? Is it a podcast? How do you kind of like explain it? So I... I don't like saying the P word. I actually, I call it an audio series, you know, differentiation for for no means other than just branding. Uh, But you know what? It's, uh, I kind of just do it for myself and I hope that people listen. Uh, And that's, that's kind of what it is, but it's, they're short bites, uh, you know, helping learning leaders, digital learning leaders, helping people navigate their organizational strategy uh, with select topics, and I infuse my brand of sarcasm and story into it. And uh, I don't know, you've listened to an episode. You tell me what it's about. <laughs> I've only listened to all of them um, oh. so that I could earn the badge. I owe you a badge then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that's also how you like came across my radar, right, was that, that series. Yeah. And there was a couple things that really stood out to me. It was the pop culture references that I could mm-hmm. fully appreciate. Um, you know, Call of Duty. Um, I, can, do we have to call it old school Netflix? Like, <laughs> is that what we have to say? Like, old the, school Netflix it's when the they said OG DVDs? Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, of that. course, yeah. uh, Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, you know. Yeah, there's there's a Gandalf reference five seconds in, in the first episode. So if that's your thing, that too, yeah. highly yeah. encourage you to listen. Yeah. And then the other thing that struck me was you're like a really kind person, but like you're also snarky and throw shade. And I feel like that really resonates with my personality, too. <laughs> like the one I was listening to today where you're like, and then Malcolm Gladwell, but he would just make us do it for 10,000 hours or, you know, something about that. And I was like, 
Oh damn! Well, okay. Well, it's it's true. It's if Malcolm Gladwell was in charge of L and D, we'd have to do ten thousand hours of training. I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious, but it's like right. uh, it was. It's low hanging fruit. It's right there. And that being said, I'm a big fan of his podcast, actually. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, Th- thank you. I've I've only heard the latter about my sarcasm, <laughs> not so much the kindness, but uh, I'm working on it. So thank you. <laughs> I love it. I'm working. On- well, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you for I want to ask you like the toughest question first. Go. Um, let's do it. So what do you think? the big gap is between how L&D sees their own learning initiatives and how the rest of the business views a learning initiative. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you came out with the haymaker, didn't you? Um, you know, I, I, I'd i like to think that I have a balanced view as someone who's got quite a lot of experience in sort of the corporate world. And hearing a lot from the C-suite, whether on the client side or even internally about, you know, what exactly is the value of X of what we're trying to do. And I think, you know, in L&D, we're just like, we're so in it and we love it. And we like, we love to talk about our drag and drops and we love to talk about, you know, how we like hacked the SCORM package and, you know, and, and it's all good stuff, but it's so like inside baseball that we forget that when you have a senior stakeholder who doesn't see the day-to-day of what we do. And I'm not even talking about your manager. I'm not even talking about their manager. I'm talking about someone that is maybe in finance or IT. Or, you know, if you if you have that moment where you have your CEO in the room with you, I think we forget sometimes just how ubiquitous learning is in the organization. And whether we think it's happening or it doesn't, it's always happening. Whether formal training events that you create or impact are happening is another thing as well, too. Mm. And so the disconnect that happens between that is, well, first of all, and here's my throwing shade side coming in. First of all, the business often looks at L&D as like, okay, but you guys just kind of create the trainings and stuff and kick them out. And you administrate stuff, complete stuff. And that's, you know, and so there's definitely this disconnect. We all know that. That's that's not uh, news to anyone over there. But I think at the same time, it's on us as L&D to also rise up to that conversation and say, we're a lot more and we're going to show you that we're a lot more. So it's a little bit chicken and egg uh, in terms of how we can bridge that gap. But uh, it is the gap that needs to be bridged in organizations. And the good news is, is that it's uh, it's on its way there. There's my kind side coming in at the end. See? <laughs> There you go. I like it. Yeah. And one of the things I appreciate about digital learning done right is I feel like it is comparing L&D to, this is going to sound, this is going to sound snarky, but to real media, right? Like we're creating these things that are not, that e-learnings, most of the ones that I've ever seen are unlike any other media I've consumed. So they're not like videos. They're not like music videos. They're not like plays. They're not, you know, they're not like things that are (laughs) actually entertaining. Is that really, is that really snarky to say too? But, but like, and this is the thing, right? And this is why I even, you know, specifically always mention digital learning because I don't actually want to say e-learning because it already sort of triggers something in your head. 
you know, yeah. about what, what, what things is. And e, the e-learning tropes is such a specific medium that doesn't actually exist in a digital context. And we are so accustomed to these consumer-grade, well-designed, UX-forward experiences in a digital setting that when we arrive in e-learning, we're just kind of like, what the heck is this, right? Uh, and and the funny part of that is that we kind of perpetuate it and take it for granted in terms of like, well, in a corporate organization setting, you have to take this training. Yeah. But taking a training is not the same thing as learning something, right? And 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 yeah. that's sort of always been my shtick in terms of how my point of view, not only just for digital learning, but learning in general, is that we are always keeping up with the consumer grade experience today. And e-learning may have worked 20 years ago. And even there, I'm not sure. But I mean, we just need to look at the sophistication of anything we see these days. That's the bar we should be looking at, not necessarily whether, uh, you know, our drag and drop is, you know, super sophisticated or not. Right, right. And the thing that I always go back to and the thing that I always ask people, it's like my trick question, right? I always say like, how do you how do you learn when you're not at work? Like, what do you do? Like, what's the last thing that you learned for fun? And I always ask people, like, did you take an e-course on it? Like, did you take an e-learning? And like the vast majority, I feel like sometimes when I ask L&D people this, they try to say yes and they want to say yes. But the vast majority of people are like, oh, well, I read this book or I listened to this podcast and then I watch, and it's always like a combination of things too, right? Like I watched a YouTube video and then when I was actually doing the thing, I Googled it, right? So, you know, it's, it's it's such a great example too of, of how artificial learning can be as well too in our environments. And coming back to your point about what's the the big gap between the business and L&D and training, stuff like that, by nature of our function, we automatically put L&D on this artificial island of like, okay, here you are doing real world things. Now it's time to come to the island and take our X. Yes. You know, we need to bring you into a room and you need, we need you to get through this. Or you need to sit at your desk. And one of my favorite uh, buzzwords, uh, well, not buzzword, but trigger word is probably a better way to do it, is the word seat time. Oh, what's our seat time uh. for this? It's like, are we listening to ourselves here, guys? We're, yeah. we're creating a metric based on how long you want me to sit in my butt and have to see this. You know what I mean? And it's and, and it just perpetuates what we are trying to get away from. And that is like, oh, well, don't worry, guys. The 90-minute training now is only 30 minutes. But to your point, we just don't learn that way, right? It's right. Learning is complex. Learning is a journey. Learning takes time. Learning is effortful. And it's it's messy as hell, too. Sorry, can I say hell? I can say hell, right? Okay. Yeah, I said damn earlier. <laughs> all right, damn hell, we covered it all. Um, and uh, and so it's we need to factor that in. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that that one-off event. There's nothing wrong with that big sort of thing. Sure. I get the logistics, and this is where the, the business speaks. Look, guys, we don't have time to bring people in a room four times a month, you get one shot and this is what it is. There's some serious logistics practicality reasons behind that. But then you need to follow that up. You need to take into account, well, when I need to refer back to that information, how can I get it? You know, and this is all moment of the need stuff, right? That, that we all know yeah. of. But it's, it's a great example of how we learn in the everyday. Like I'm addicted to cooking YouTube. I love okay. any sort of cooking YouTube channel. 
And for me, it's edutainment. I'm not there yes. because I'm like, oh, what am I going to cook this week? It's just entertaining. And it just so yeah. happens that I'm learning. But to your point, it's like, oh, right, okay, but I want to make that roast chicken recipe that I heard about. Then I'll go up and look it up and find the recipe. But there's that layering that happens in the learning experience. Bring yeah. that analogy over to corporate L&D and it's like, okay, well, you're going to learn in January about what it takes to make a roast chicken. And we're going to ask you in November to make that roast chicken, you know? <laughs> and so. Yeah. Or we're going to ask you in December to tell us how much um, X ingredient that you need exactly verbatim the number right or oh no no oh wait or even better it's like i'm gonna you're gonna take the course i'm making a roast chicken i'm not gonna ask you to roast a chicken you're gonna take a you're gonna take a 10 question quiz on what it means to roast a chicken <laughs> and i will refuse for you to roast that chicken but eventually you will have to roast a chicken i just need you to yes. know that you know how to roast a chicken because knowledge equals learning yes and you have to one of the questions is you have to tell me who the first person who ever roasted a chicken was <laughs> so wrong but it's so true it's how we do it right so like how do we fix it well i actually think and this comes back to the the first question actually uh which is good that you asked it off the top is i think it's part and and oftentimes when this stuff is handed down to us it's because someone who is not in the room with us who is not a learning professional uh has said well this is something that training can fix or can address Mm. there's a business gap and the way we're going to fill that gap is X, Y, and, and Z. Uh, is our audience mostly American? Should I say Z or Z? I'll say oh, both. it doesn't matter. You can say both. I'm yeah. Canadian, so I'll say Z. X, Y, and Z. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and the only way that we can do that is by handing over that little portion of the solution over to L&D and saying, okay, this is your realm now. Just create thing. Meanwhile, when we get that order, it's like, oh why how what you know what what do you want us to do how are we supposed to address it and i think the way that we do that and this is certainly where those that are in organizations this is where you have the most amount of influence is you need to find ways to build relationships with all the different business units at all different levels you know and you know easier said than done you know you work in large organizations it's hard to get access to the head of sales or or whatever it is that is being uh thrown at you but we need to start asking more why and we need to stop saying okay well this is we're just going to do it because these are the learning objectives and we know we need to create an hour and let's fill the space you know we need we need to start asking why and we also need to start speaking to our end users and saying how can we help yeah because sometimes we don't need to have this big large obtuse training sometimes you can just solve it with the pdf sometimes you can you know and And I say this as someone who has a lot of experience in, you know, digital learning content where you're chasing those big budgets to create those massive projects. It's like sometimes just trying to fix the problem might be the simplest solution. You just need to go within your organization to find it. Yeah, absolutely. It this aligns with a lot of like my dissertation research and the stories that I heard when I was talking to different instructional designers. Great. Because, yeah, it's always good when that happens, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, not only looking at the learner as part of your primary audience, but looking at, like, the client or the stakeholder, too. And how do you balance the needs of both? And how do you balance that relationship with both and 
checking, you know, more than checking the box for both of those groups of people. Yeah. And, and this is something that I, I think I touch on in an episode actually of digital learning done right where, and you know, I obviously exaggerate, but I genuinely feel that you need to not speak about learning the second you are outside of your little force field, you know, <laughs> and, and not that, and not that it's a bad thing to talk about learning, but it's the rest of your organization is not tuned that way. And actually the inverse happens, actually, it's even more of a negative effect because everybody has some learned experience with learning. That's what makes it so interesting. But that's also what makes it so yeah. challenging in terms of convincing stakeholders, because by the time you're saying, hey, we've got this amazing progressive approach on how we're going to do this. We're not going to do this big chunk. We're going to do this. We're going to get rid of a test. We're going to do that. By the time it climbs up to that senior stakeholder that actually needs to sign that check, they go, oh, learning initiative. Well, why aren't we just bringing people in a classroom and just giving them a PowerPoint? That's the way I did it. I turned out fine. Everything's, yeah. you know, and, and it's so easily it is because we put the conversation on what we think learning is and should be. And we're all professionals in this space. We know what's going on. But when we bring it outside the bounds of our L&D unit, and this, of course, is an mm -hmm. exaggeration. There are a lot of friends that we have in other parts of the, the business as well, too. But that's when you have this invitation for well, what do you think learning is? How do you think learning uh, you know, uh, works in this organization? And this is where you need to have a strong point of view. Two ways. One is you can work as a team and stick together as a team and be like, hey, we've done the research within this organization. This is our learning culture. This is how it works. This is what our people are looking for. This is not what they're looking for. Hard facts, hard business insights to get speak sure. to speak to the thing. And the other way to do it, and this is sort of uh, my, my kind of approach is don't talk about learning. Talk about the business problem yeah. and keep the conversation focused there. Um, you know, if you ever do a lot of sales training, we, you talk a lot about trying to understand what the customer's concept is. They've got a concept mm. of a solution in their head. And that goes for all of the stakeholders in your organization as well, too. They've all got a concept in their head of what we're trying to do to solve this problem. And try to speak to their concept more as opposed to your concept. They're, they're not going to care about the, the nitty gritty about, well, should we build this in Rise or Articulate? What do you think is the best way? No, it's, okay, well, we need to make sure that this is on the go and available. Okay, well, Rise is pretty responsive. Maybe it's just do that. Well, there might be some trade-off in quality. Who knows? Well, that depends on what you're trying to achieve. And so keep the focus on the business language as opposed to the L&D language. And that's just something that we can all pick up and get better at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that also takes time. And I think that that's important to know as well, because especially in my interviews with different instructional designers for my dissertation, there was a distinct difference in the amount of selling and persuasion and pushback that they felt they could do early in their career versus as they gained more experience. So, you know, I think it's important to remember that, like, no one is expecting you to walk into your first instructional design role or, or whatever L&D role and solve all the world's problems and be like the yeah. prom queen of your organization. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's, you know, like, uh, I know we talk a lot about skills these days. Um, and, uh, I remember when when I started out as an instructional designer, 
the, the biggest lack, and you know, as someone who's hired a lot of learning experience designers, one of the biggest lacks you find is business acumen. It is, yes. you know how to do the job, but you don't necessarily know the context of what's happening around it, you know? And, um, and of course, you know, there's instructional designers, learning experience designers in a whole bunch of fields, not just uh, in the business field, but uh, it, it took me a long time to be quite honest in my career to connect the dots and be like, oh, right. So we're creating this because it's going to actually create this impact because, you know, we're so in it that it's like, I just want people to like my training and take my training <laughs> and say, Hey, that was well designed and it was good. And look at the storytelling it was fantastic. And, and that's also because the business's expectation of you is that as well too. The business mm-hmm. isn't coming to you and be like, actually, I need you to deliver impact on this because the yes. conversations often around, well, you're going to build this. We're going to put on an LMS and we're going to see who completes it and see you again, come budget season. Right. And so, and, and, and then this comes to, okay, well, who should be responsible for raising the torch for that? It's a bit of both, right? I think the business often looks at L and D and goes, well, what, what can they really do to achieve impact? Whereas we're like, hello, we can do a whole bunch. Just let us. Yeah. But but the business is like, yeah, but you guys stay in your little corner there and create your pretty stuff and, you know, and we'll make sure people yes. take it, okay. you know? And and so, but I see both sides of it, right? Because yeah. when you are, when you're sitting at the C-suite and we're talking about all the different ways that we can impact our business, L&D doesn't really have anything in terms of street cred to be like, oh, well, yeah, we'll take this piece of the pie. Don't worry, we got this. There's no confidence per se in that. Now, mm. I'm generalizing, of course, um, but it's it's really on us to show that we're so much more than completion. And the way that we do that is navigating our organ, just just moving the needle every single time incrementally. You're not. I'm not talking about definitive ROI from you know zero to a hundred, but rather just saying, hey, can we focus on confidence? Can we focus on you know uh, demonstrating X? How can we demonstrate X and can we show that this occurred because of that? Or just, you know, I'm a big fan of just having a very strong user-driven perspective. Mm -hmm. Put the business aside. Go speak to your learners if you have the uh, permission to do so. Go speak to your learners and just say, look, we're about to build a whole bunch of stuff. Before we do that, what do you think? What do you prefer? How would you do it? And, And... the, the irony in that is that you can actually start saving the business a whole bunch of money by saying, look, we were actually going to spend 100K, but because we just had some conversations with people, we ended up spending half that much. And all of a sudden, you've got a little street cred to bring with you to the next uh, you know, C-suite table because you're creating savings for the organization. Once again, speaking the language of the business, and you're both on the same side, you're just speaking different languages to get there. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the biggest obstacles I've seen is that people in L&D are usually like doing so much, wearing so many hats, like trying. And and honestly, I think one of the I, I say this all the time. I think one of the biggest hiccups is that we're using tools and structures that just inherently take a shit ton of time. Right. <laughs> like. That's the uh, that's the technical amount of time that yeah. these things take. But, you know, we're spending like months to make one e-learning course and it's bananas and it's not 
that is why we're seen as a cost center. It's not because what we're doing is or isn't effective because at that point it doesn't matter anymore because it's taken us by the time we come out with the solution, the problem is forgotten by the business. I, uh, I was, I forget where I was reading this, but I was, it was, I was, it was, it was something to do about the rate of change in the last 10 years and how exponentially it's increased in terms of how quickly information moves, how things quickly change. And of course, businesses change at that speed as well, too. And one of the biggest challenges facing L&D in general is keeping up with the speed of the business. And we need to find a way to be more agile. Everyone's favorite word, right? And, And it can't just be, and as someone who built their career on creating e-learning, it can't just be, well, it takes time to build quality and this is what it's, we'll need those things. We will always need those things. Organizations need to invest in onboarding in certain compliance pieces in you know, taking the time to do the right story for soft skills and stuff like that. There are moments for big moments, but we need to get better at small moments Mm. so that there can be several moments. Because right now there's this fixation on like, unless it's a thing, people don't have time for the training. And we talk so much about in the flow of work. We talk so much about, well, people don't have time for training. They don't, they're too busy, you know, blah, blah, blah. People make time for anything that's valuable to them. Mm, That's so true. Plain and simple. Doesn't, doesn't matter if it's two hours long, if it's valuable to them, if they're motivated, they will do it. That's our job as well, too talking about the different hats that we do. It's our job to understand what makes our people tick. It's it's our job to understand what's valuable to them. Because what's not valuable to them is to say, well, I'm going to take you through this two-hour X, but only maybe 5% of it's relevant to you. That's just a waste of a person's time, you know? Um, I always say you need to build a brand of learning your people would subscribe to. Hmm. If if your learning is a YouTube channel, would they click subscribe? Would they hit that like button? Would they smash that subscribe button? You know what I mean? Like it's, it should be that sort of like virality within your organization. People shouldn't have to be like, oh, well, here's this thing that's been assigned to me. I guess I have to take it because I've gotten that fifth email from my manager saying I need to take it, which isn't even from my manager. It's just been automatically deployed by this LMS that I hate so much, you know, like all of that, it's all brand. And we need to fix that brand, that experience, so that we can allow more moments. And if you give more moments of value to your learner, it'll not only help you create a better brand, it'll help them learn better. Because we know that being constantly in the presence in the mind of our learners will make it stickier. Absolutely. And when you become more than just that annoying LMS that everyone hates so much, then people want to work with you, they want to help you, and you can start offloading some of those small moments too, right? Like some, one of the things that we did for my work, and granted customer ed is a little bit different, um, but like our design team designed our entire LMS homepage that faces the public, you know, and because we, it's give and take, right? Like we help you with this over here. We help you solve this learning problem. And then you go ahead and, you know, but we get, we, we get caught in the corner because we're like, you know, we're spending two months on creating a course and then we're creating a course that nobody wants to take. And so we alienate ourselves a little bit too, I think. That's such an excellent point because it's, it's, 
I keep coming back to this master question you asked at the very beginning. <laughs> this is also one of the ways that we succeed at bridging that gap. We often take on this burden on us, like, oh, well, we have to fix this. And if we don't do this, sales numbers will never increase. Sales is not looking at you and being like, you know, this is going to be the, the silver bullet to helping us, right? But rather, yeah. share, share the challenge. You know, share the challenge, share it within your organization, share even the burden of the learning that needs to be there. You know, the yeah. don't underestimate when you've got a strong learning culture, how much your learners want to take control and create and collaborate. Yeah. You know, it doesn't all have to feel transactional and one way and that it's if unless it's coming from L&D, then it's not actually real learning. What? You know, and so create it's it's you know, it's not about creating training. It's about creating experiences and environments, create experiences that drive value, create environments where people can create value for themselves, share, create, participate, contribute. And you're facilitating, you're shepherding. You're not necessarily taking the order for the organization and be like, well, unless it's being packaged as X training, then it's not legit or it's not real. And then the other part of it is just share that with the rest of the organization too. be like, okay, let's talk about this as a business unit. How are we going to solve this problem? Okay, well, L&D is showing up with this percent of the solution. What's the other parts of the solution? And here's a little like sneaky way to get like, uh, you know, that extra street cred. When you win, everyone wins. And guess what? L&D wins as well too. And you don't have to feel this burden of isolating effects and saying, oh, well, did that impact actually lead to that result? We just care about the result. We don't care where it comes from as long as the result occurs. Right, right. Yeah, and I find it so... It, it's humorous to me that what is sexy in L&D this year is cohort-based courses and social learning, and which is great. I love it. Like yeah. some of the best... Some of the worst training I had was saved by the other participants and like my experience with them, right? But we're also the same people who when we get into our organizations and outside of like the LinkedIn world are not letting other people help us create any content. <laughs> so true. It's and you know, I and I think maybe this is a little bit of preservation, right? I think maybe sure. it's it's a little bit of like okay, but you're not a learning professional. You don't know how to write learning objectives. And it's, I get it. Sure. Uh, But, you know, and I keep coming back to the context of organizational learning, business learning. It's like, yeah, but they live the context that you're trying to solve every day. They know something that you don't. (laughs) And And you just need to, you know, you need to pair your expertise together to make it happen. Right. And it's, uh, Another way of doing it is to even just force the design challenge, I find, you know, is to say, Mm. uh, you know, you you can make this up or, you know, often the business challenge is given to you like, hey, uh, we were supposed to do 60 minutes. Now we only have 20 minutes. What what, What do you want us to do with 20 minutes? What would be the best use of our time? You know what I mean? Or or even to your point about cohort and social, which is hilarious, but it's like, uh, so if we set up a community what would you like to be in it? How would you drive it? What are you yeah. looking for? You know, what's, uh, what's, what's, are we sharing experiences? Do we want to start our own podcast? Do we, you know, like any of that kind of stuff, right? It's, I think, I think a huge part of 
us being so in it is that we also feel like only we are the catalyst for certain solutions within an organization mm. as well. Sure. That makes sense. All right. So I have one last question for you, even though I technically only asked you one question this whole time. <laughs> That's how we roll. I'm pretty sure that was the only question I asked. That's fine. It's, it's, it's great. Like, it's perfect. It's like jazz. You play one chord and you just riff yeah. on that for the entire time. So Exactly. It's perfect. So if you had to pick one resource, and it can be inside or outside of L&D, to help people better understand the business problem, what would it be and why? Um, well, in the spirit of pop culture, I will give yes. you a resource. Uh, and I think, I think you know what I'm going to say. Watch the film Inception if you haven't yet. Um, not that I'm arguing for us to uh, go inside the dreams of our bosses or stakeholders and manipulate them to have our way. I mean, hey, hey, <laughs> if, if, if you can. But there's, uh, there's this one line that always sticks to me that I always bring with me to every meeting. Uh, and it's in Inception where they're talking about how difficult Inception is. Uh, you know, want to jump to dream states? Are you crazy? You know, blah, blah, blah. And Leonardo DiCaprio is being all charming and stuff like that. But they were talking about how it's just about the tiniest, the tiniest inkling of an idea. Mm. That's what it matters. It's not about selling someone something exact. It's about understanding what makes them tick. And Inception is about dropping the tiniest idea and letting it grow. Mm-hmm. What the hell does any of this have to do with communicating to the business? It's that every single person that enters that room zoom room i guess do people meet in person anymore um getting into that room every person that gets into that room they've got stakes they've got stakes Mm -hmm. on the table they've got something that says this meeting matters to me because x it's your job to understand that and it's your job to speak to that specific idea in in all different languages that you need to because once you speak to that idea you've got them hooked and then you can start talking about the solution that we want to build, you want to build, and bridge it together. But until you speak to that simplest form of that idea, you're never going to achieve Inception. So watch the film Inception. That's uh, that's your homework, everybody. It's a great film. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining me. This has been a super conversation, and oh, I'm sure it'll fun. help a ton of people. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for joining me on the blog. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and review us on your favorite podcast platform. I hope you'll tune in again soon.